Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Thank you guys so much. Well, hi everyone. So good to be with you. How you doing? So it's so good to be with you. I want to, a couple things I want to say real quick as we get going. I want to say congratulations to a few people. Uh, Stephen, our worship leader, got engaged last week to Madison. Give it up for them. Ryan, our drummer, got married to Ariel Riley over here on Friday night. It was pretty good. It was an awesome night. So love is in the air. You thought it was a cold front, but it's love. And uh, here's the thing. If you're single, now is the time. Make the move if you've been praying about that special someone. All right? Maybe just walk up and say to someone tonight or today at the end of church, can I pray with you? I don't know. We are in week number eight, and it's so, so good to be with you. Um, Week number eight of our series called The Way of Life. Everybody say The Way of Life. And uh, let's do that again. Everyone say The Way of Life. We, We, like I said, we're in week number eight, and today the message title is called We're Not Trying to Win. And uh, I battled with that internally. If we should name it, we're not trying to win. But in the end, that won out. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're not trying to win was the ultimate winner. And what I felt like we needed to talk about today. Now, I need to make some obligatory disclaimers about um, where we're headed today. First of all, uh, I reserve the right to disagree with myself in certain circumstances and situations and contexts with this idea that we're not trying to win. <laughs> Because at some points in life, winning is encouraged, right? You're playing a board game or Pictionary, go for it, win. Just don't be, you know, don't be a punk about it. You know what I mean? Be a good winner, right? You're in a spelling bee, which I know a lot of you participate in. Go for it, go for broke, try and win that thing. And obviously in sports, the idea is to win, right? We need to win, uh, and, and, that's, and I'm all for that. Uh, Grayson right now, Christy and I, we went yesterday morning, it was freezing. We went out to, the, went out to a little uh, football game, flag football game for Grayson. He's playing in his first flag football league. And unfortunately, we have not, we have not won a game yet. You know what I mean? It's been one of those seasons. Um, and we're in a league, though, where it's about, you know, we're not trying to win. We're trying to enjoy the game. We're trying to learn the game. But every parent on that sideline knows exactly what the score is. You know what I'm talking about? And we're like, no, 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 we want to win. And, uh, and there's, this, there's just this sad reality for us that we've yet to do so. And because we all know in life uh, that even if there's not a scoreboard, there are winners and there are our, you know, what we like to call losers, right? And uh, yesterday, Grayson was given the Sportsmanship Award. Um, but the Sportsmanship Award that he won, they have different values each week, was for, this, for the value of humility. And he looked at me proudly and said, I'm the best at being humble. (laughs) I said, that's right, son. Me too. Me too. I'm the most humble man in the room. Um, (laughs) That had layers, but don't worry about it. So, of course... So, of course, uh, winning is a great thing, even in our faith, right, that there's, there's themes of winning that we should want to win. I mean, Paul, he says, hey, I want you to run the race as if you're going to win the prize. In other words, I want you to go and win. Uh, Jesus, of course, the whole, the whole, one of the great themes in our faith is the fact that Jesus has won, that we have victory in Christ. 
I mean, when we face spiritual battles, I just talked about a month ago about spiritual battles that we face, that we can, we can, we can have confidence in God when he is fighting our battle that we are going to have and taste victory. Amen? And so we believe that there are certain contexts and certain conversations and certain moments in life where, when I say we're not trying to win, it doesn't really apply. But I want to talk about something today uh, that I feel like is important. And I feel like it's something that's a little different than all of those conversations, but it's one in which there is a different way of living in which we don't look at the scoreboard, if you will, and live life where we're chalking up life wins and losses based upon some societal criteria that's made up, by the way, so the winners keep on winning and the losers keep on losing. Because that's the way life is set up for a lot of people. The truth about winning and losing is that sometimes winning is losing and sometimes losing is winning. And so that gets a little bit strange, gets a little bit confusing when everything is about this imaginary scoreboard that we have in life that shapes our sense of significance, meaning, and ultimately this illusion of success, we may get a little, a little confused. And so I want to jump into this today. I'm going to pray and then we're going to read scripture. So Father, we pray that as we begin, that Lord, your word would just move in our hearts that, God, we would be ready to receive from your sacred teachings about the ways of life, about the who, who the people that we, are ought to, that we ought to be and that we can become. So, God, we, your Holy Spirit, we just invite it to move in this room today. Move in our hearts. Have your way. It's your name we pray. Amen. Well, Jesus said some things in Mark 8 about winning and losing, and I'll just read this. Uh, Mark 8, starting in verse 34. It says, Then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man, meaning Jesus himself, will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. So this passage is actually one of the most difficult things that Jesus ever said. I mean, it's amazing, it's powerful. We like to quote it in churches, this idea of taking up our cross daily. But it's honestly quite difficult. When you look at verse 35, I wanna go back to verse 35, just look at it. It says, for whoever wants to save their life. In other words, whoever wants to win their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel, We'll save it. They'll win it. So we aren't trying to win, are we? We're actually trying to lose. And if you're trying to win, you're going to end up losing. If you're willing to lose, then you might ultimately end up winning. But more specifically, Jesus is being very, very particular with these words, isn't he? He's saying, whoever loses their life for me and for my sake and for the gospel will ultimately win. So I would call this a particular way of life. 
This is a particular way of life that Jesus came and called us to. And remember, we've been in this series, of course, and when we began it, I said this statement, I don't know if you remember, if you were here, the very first week is that the ways of Jesus are greater than the ways of me. In fact, let's just say that together. Say, the ways of Jesus are greater than the ways of me. And, we, and, and you may or may not believe that, but if you're a follower of Christ, I hope you do. This is not the way that probably most of us are experiencing in the world around us, though. You know, the concept of winning in today's America has taken on all sorts of new, more aggressive, and more divisive uh, kind of nature of source, if you will. Gone are the days of friendly competition and fun rivalries. Winning has become about being right in the way one sees the world. Many people these days are struggling with people who don't agree with them, and so we're writing them off. And we are witnessing judgment and anger erupting in people, and maybe even in ourselves, quicker and more frequently than ever. We've all seen literal fights this year in 2020, verbal sparring over things like masks, right? Maybe, has anybody seen this? I've seen it come out literally all out uh, war with people, uh, cussing and yelling at one another, looking to fight against the coronavirus by being angry with one another. Winning in today's culture is believing that our concept or our ideology or our politics or our social views are the correct ones. And of course, that extends well beyond masks. And, and for Christians, we can easily be baited into this conflict in our world. We can be baited into with a winning at all costs mindset. And we're left struggling with what to do as Christians. Are you all with me? This, of course, plays out on a huge stage in 2020 in an emotion-filled year that happens to be an election, right? And a power struggle to win is at play not only between political candidates, but between Facebook friends, between neighbors who put out opposing signs, Instagram friends who make an angry post about Christians or a post that you don't agree with, or even silly things as like, which one is better, Chipotle or Qdoba, right? Which the answer is? Half of you are wrong. <laughs> I'll let you figure that out. But it's not just politics. The need to win plays out in all sorts of other circumstances. It plays out in things like parenting. It plays out in how things like our schools are run. It even plays out in the definition of what is right and wrong morally, and this fight is even within the church. For example, are there biblical ethics around these huge, or these huge statements like sex, money, and power? And of course, the scriptures have a lot to say about things like that. It's just a lot of those things that the scriptures and that Jesus has to say aren't things that we want to hear. And so we don't want to do things like wait to have sex until we'll get married, even though that's a sexual ethic, or we don't want to be generous and trust God with our money, or we don't want to lay down our power and try to not win, but to be willing to lose ourselves in Jesus. You see, when we go back to verse 34, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, must be willing to lose their life. They must take up their cross daily and follow me. What does it mean to actually lose yourself, to deny yourself? It definitely sounds like the opposite of winning. 
And I just couldn't get away from this winning sort of mindset that everybody, maybe not everybody, but many of us are struggling with. Uh, a few years ago, our family uh, went on vacation and we were swimming in the pool and uh, kind of the resort pool there. And I've told the story before, by the way, but it is definitely worth retelling. So if you've heard it, um, enjoy. If you haven't, this is a good one. But our kids, our kids are playing Marco Polo with a bunch of other kids, which is what you do, right? And, uh, and as a parent, you kind of feel the pressure to like, maybe I should talk to the other parent. Our kids are playing together. But I'm just telling you, as a dad, it's really, really not all that fun. I mean, to stand in a pool, talk to another dad in a pool, you don't know each other, you're not wearing shirts, it's like, great, you know, this is awesome. I love this. This is like how I wanted to spend my vacay, you know what I mean? And so there we are, we're talking, you know, and we're small talking, and he asked the question, so what do you do? Which in my world as a pastor is like the worst question ever because it's either going to go really good, and I've said this before, or it's going to be like, he thinks I said, I'm an alien, I'm about to eat your children, you know what I mean? And so he says, what do you do? And I'm like, all right, here I go. I'm bracing myself. And I say, well, I'm a pastor of a church in Oklahoma City. Have you ever seen the movie Gone in 60 Seconds? <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's literally what happened. We're talking, and he's like, oh, really? Oh, that's cool. And then, and then he literally mysteriously slips out of the pool. And next thing I know, he's like sitting up on his chair reading a book. And I was like, what just happened? You know? And... Uh, the next day, the next day, same pool, different dad, no shirts. <laughs> We're talking, and he drops the question, so what do you do, man? And I'm like, oh, great, here we go again. And I go, well, I'm a pastor of a church in Oklahoma City. And he literally, like, paused. He kind of does one of these, like, hmm? like kind of leans back, pauses, gathers himself, and then he says this line to me. And he says, you be you, man. You be you. <laughs> I'm like, do you say that to everybody? I'm a zookeeper. You be you, man. You be you. And then he follows it up with this confidence. He like booms, and the whole pool can hear it. And he says, man, if God has called you to it, then a thousand horsemen can't keep you from it. I'm pretty sure he thought he was quoting scripture at me. And I'm like, dude, that's not a verse, you know? <laughs> I, I, mean, I like it, but no. No. You be you, man. You be you. I've said that like a thousand times since that guy. His name was Walter. Thank you, Walter, from Philadelphia. That's where he's, I still remember that. I mean, yeah. This is one of the winning narratives of our culture today, isn't it? You be you. We basically sing this song over one another. You be you, man. And perhaps unintentionally, the you be you thing has become do whatever you want. But we have these words from Jesus. He says, whoever will deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, you see, sometimes what we do in life is we say, hey, who I am, it's just how I'm wired. It's just, it's just the way, and I, and I wonder if it's just the way that we justify our, our, our character traits, no matter how good, how bad, or how questionable they are, we just put it under the, under the phrase, well, it's just who I am. And I just want to say, if, if we have ways in us that don't line up with the ways of Jesus, something has to change. 
You know, Psalm 139 verse 24 says, says, see if there's any offensive way in me. He's talking to God. If there's any offensive way in me, see if there's anything like that in me, and instead lead me in the way everlasting. I was thinking about this, and the, you know, the example that I thought of was just, just because maybe you are naturally bent towards something like, and I'll just use an example of maybe you're a perfectionist. It doesn't necessarily give you a license to come in when you see people not doing it in the perfect way you want them to be, it to be done and just say, hey, you're doing that all wrong. And then look at them and say, sorry, not sorry. It's just the way I am. I'm, perfe- I'm a perfectionist. And just start correcting everybody because you see it a different way, maybe in a perfect way. You see, you have to allow the work of God to, to, to come in and transform the perfectionist in you for the common good of everyone. And so here's the good thing about you being you is you being a perfectionist isn't a bad thing. It's that God wants to use that thing to do something to help people, not correct people. And so he's like, hey, I have something in you that's a gift to the world. Don't abuse it. Don't do something wrong with it. Actually, submit yourself to me. See the ways that I want to work in you, and I'm going to transform that really unique part of you into something really good for everyone if you'll let me. But you have to let my ways take over your ways. You have to lose yourself in me. Because when you lose yourself in me, I'm going to transform you, and I'm going to make you something new. But we like to say, we like to, we, we like to do it our way, and we like to just say, no, that's just who I am. That's just who I am. And the UBU statement, I just want you to hear me say, just kind of like the winning narrative, is that there are things that are good about it. I have preached many sermons that I want you to be the best version of you. I've actually said to my kids, to myself, that I want to be everything that God has created me to be. I believe that God has created you uniquely and special. I believe he has a plan and a purpose for you. I believe that 100%. But remember, once you become a follower of Jesus, not only are you you, but there was an old you and there's a new you. And I actually want you to be the new you, not the old you. So you be you is in the context of the new you as followers of Christ. Are you with me? right? Because the new you is the person where Jesus is Lord and his love and his goodness is transforming you and bringing you life. The new you, the new you is learning to see the world through God's eyes and to see the things that he wants you to see in the way he intended you to see it. The new you is the one joining God in the renewal of all things. And the new you is the one that knows we need revival and we need breakthrough in this world and we need change in this world. But we're not going to allow unrighteous anger. We're not going to allow, you know, judgment and worldly pressure to be the fuel in our tank to get us going. No, the fuel in our tank is our hunger and thirst for God, the living God. Our, our, the, what we drink is the living water that Jesus puts in us instead of drinking from whatever the world tries to feed us. You be you, but you be the new you. So what happens when the new you is a struggle? What happens when you struggle to take up your cross daily. Most of us have had seasons, if we've been following Christ for any amount of time, we've had those seasons where the new you is like, come on, alive. We, can't, we, we love praying. We're feeling the joy of the Lord. We're wanting to share Christ with people. You know what I mean? We're coming to church all the time. So what happens when the old you, though, seems more present than the new you and you're not in that season anymore? 
What, what, what happens when you don't really pray all that much anymore? What happens whenever you don't really, you know, feel God's presence with you as much? What, what happens when you don't even seem to care that much about the things of God the way you know you ought to, but you just can't muster up the amount of care in you that should cause you to do anything different? What happens when you don't know how to lose yourself in the love of God and instead we revert to this power struggle. And so we find ourselves at work sort of in the same common battle that everybody else seems to be in, vying for position, trying to get our leg up on the competition we're trying to win, baited into conversations on platforms like social media or in conversations with friends, or battling in our marriages for those of us who have a spouse and trying to trying to win some battle and forgetting that it doesn't matter who wins that argument. It's all about love, and love is ultimately what wins. What happens when we feel like the river of God's goodness has become more like a trickle in our life? You see, we often call those times dry seasons, don't we? That's the word we use, that it feels spiritually dry. And we feel like we're losing what happens when you feel the gap between who you are and who you want to be? You see, this gap that exists, we, we, we try to overcome it with this winning sort of mindset that we can conquer that battle, we can bridge that gap. John Ortberg, he, he talks about this gap and he describes, he's an author and a pastor, and he describes how we attempt to manage the gap by trying harder. And, and I have a cycle up here, I'll show you on the screen, and here's a picture of how we try harder. This is a cycle of trying harder. So it begins with feeling dry, like I just described. So we feel a little dry, we feel this gap, we feel this dissonance, and so we decide, well, I gotta try harder. You know, I need to read a book. <laughs> I need to start getting up, you know, earlier in the morning. I heard so-and-so, they, they pray at 4 a.m. Maybe I need to do that even though I'm not a morning person. And so I got to get up earlier and I got to pray more. I got to go to church more or whatever. And so we try harder by looking maybe for a new small group. We try harder by going, oh, maybe, maybe it's the church. I need to find a new church. Or maybe we try harder by pretending. A lot of us pretend a lot, don't we? And so we try really hard to fake it, not only to others, but to ourselves. Like everything's good. Everything good. So we try harder and the cycle begins, but eventually as the longer we try, the more fatigued we get. And we get really tired from trying so hard. And fatigue sets in. And you can only stay fatigued so long. And so eventually you decide, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to take a break. I just need some space. And those are just words for saying, I'm stopping what I know I ought to be doing. And so we stop and we quit. But then we can only quit for so long if you're a follower of Christ. And you go, oh man, now I feel guilty. I feel guilty. And so guilt sets in and we start going, I have to start trying harder again. And around and around we go trying to win, trying 
to overcome this gap that we feel. By the way, this cycle looks very much like my exercise regimen. <laughs> I'm sure you know this. I'm sure you know this, but the try, the try hard usually doesn't win all that much in the long run. In fact, we don't actually don't appreciate or respect try hards in life, do we? <laughs> Imagine going to a party and you see that person that's trying way too hard to be funny. You're like, dude, chillax. You're trying way too hard. Chillax is an example of trying way too hard. <laughs> I'm doing this for your sake to make my point. <laughs> Trying harder might have small victories along the way, but remember, we aren't trying to win. So I want to encourage you to quit trying. What if we quit trying? What if we actually quit trying to win? What if we quit trying to be right? And, and what if we even quit trying to pray? Now, I didn't say quit praying. I said quit trying to pray. You see, following Jesus is denying yourself. It's denying your power to fix the problem. It's denying, um, it's denying your ability to find the way. It's, de it's denying your ability to determine the truth. It's truly a surrender to say, Jesus is actually the way, the truth, and the life. It's a surrender to that. It's surrendering to Jesus as that and into his grace. It's understanding that you being you is not found in the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs. It is found in surrender. And I think our world needs to remember this, especially those of us who follow Jesus, because we're being baited into an argument and into a battle that doesn't matter. There's only one battle that matters, and that battle has already been fought and won. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow him. So this is probably a good time to remind us that the cross was the instrument that God used to bring about the death of Christ, <laughs> but it was also the instrument that he used to bring about the total surrender of Jesus in which he surrendered the, himself and he chose to not exercise his power that he could have exercised in that moment to win, but when that death happened of Jesus, it actually gave life to the rest of us. And so that we can actually determine something from this, that death is the engine to life. Losing your life for the sake of Jesus actually saves it. So perhaps you could say it this way. In order to pick up the cross, you may need to lay something down. This is a question I want to close with today. What do you need to lay down so that you can pick up the cross? You see, laying down is like a surrender, isn't it? Laying something down is, a, is an acknowledgement that it, I can't do this. You know, what have you been trying way too hard under your own strength to accomplish and to handle? And I would just say today, surrender it to the grace of Jesus. Lay it down and say, God, I can't do this by myself. And I don't want to act like I can. I need you to bridge the gap for me. 
You see, sometimes we forget and we take the grace of Jesus and we act like the grace of Jesus was just the, the thing that bridged the gap between me and my life in Christ. Oh, is the grace of Jesus. But you know what else is that the same grace that bridges the gap to free us and give us life is the same thing that will free us from a life of trying hard. It's falling into his grace. You know, this morning, I, I don't necessarily believe this is a new message, but I'm just praying to God that it's a timely one. I'm talking about surrender. We're not trying to win. We're trying to lose everything for the sake of Christ. So what have you been fighting? What have you been trying to win in life? Where have you struggled in your faith or with people or in your work? And I would just say today, what if you surrendered it? What if you laid it down and said, God, I truly want to lose myself in you. What have you been trying to win? It's time to lay it down. I'm just telling you, it's, there's no better time than now than to just lay it down. Surrender it so you can pick up the cross. And this whole, this whole idea of surrender is sometimes a difficult concept to grasp. How do I surrender something yet also do all things for the sake of Christ? Am I supposed to go and do it myself or is he gonna do it for me? I get it, it's, it's a tension. It's something that takes, takes a lot of faith. It takes a lot of just saying, God, I can't do it. I can't even figure it out. So I'm gonna surrender it to you and I'm gonna follow the ways that you've called me to go and I'll do what you've called me to do as best as I can. But I wanna start with surrender. I wanna start with trusting you. Who have you been trying to win? Quit trying to win them and just serve them. Just love them. Quit trying to convince them. Quit trying to, quit trying to change them. Just love them. Just love them. When you pick up the cross, you pick up life. You pick up the power of the cross, which is the power of Christ. Who have you judged? Who have you been angry with? Why? Surrender it. Lay that down so you can pick up the cross. Is there a relationship that, you've, that you keep fighting and trying to win? Surrender it. Lay it down. Are you wrapped up in this election this year and stressing you out? Surrender it. Trust him. Here's a good one. You be you and let God be God. <laughs> that no matter who wins, Jesus is still Lord. That's, I didn't even make that one up. You know, by the way, there's been a lot of elections, a lot of power struggles in the kingdom of God for the last 2,000 years, and Jesus has been Lord through every one of them. In this world, it's easy to feel the pressure to be right and to win. But what would happen if there was a group of people that said, we're not trying to win, we're trying to lose ourselves in the person of Jesus. What if that was our focus? What if we didn't feel the need to die on a hill, but we instead felt the need to lay our lives down for the sake of Christ and for the gospel? What if we surrendered our ways to his, uh, surrendered our lives to his love? What if we surrendered our ways to his ways? What if we send, surrendered our need to be important and surrendered our fears and frustrations? What if you and me surrendered our lives in such a way where we denied 
our need to be in control, denied our pride. And what if we humbled ourselves and were willing to lose our life in Jesus? And so today, I just want to invite you to bow your heads. Listen, as you bow your heads, I want to remind you that your job is the relentless pursuit of who God has created you to be, the new you. That's your job. We all have things we need to surrender. We, every one of us have things we need to surrender, whether it's fears or opinions or relationships or anxieties. And this, this is a message that I hope and pray that you receive from a, from a standpoint of like that you can trust the Lord. You can trust him. He has you. Because the more you try to win, I'm telling you, the longer you keep trying to do it under your own strength, the more fatigued you're going to feel, the faster you're going to want to quit, the more guilt you're going to carry, and you're just going to continue that cycle. So what do you need to surrender today? Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come. Just come right now, Holy Spirit. Just come into this room. Come into this place. Sweep through this room. Soften hearts to fall into your grace. When I say fall into your grace, I want you to picture right now with your eyes closed, just picture almost, if you guys know what a trust fall is, it's like a fall backwards, right? Like you're falling backwards into the grace of Jesus. You can surrender to him. You can pray and say, God, I want to take this off my shoulders. I don't want to carry it anymore. I need you to do it. What's that thing that's weighing you down right now? Just go ahead and let it, let it come to your mind, come to your heart. What's that thing that's weighing you down right now? He wants, to, he wants to take that from you. Some of you need to probably repent and say, God, I'm sorry I've been trying to win. God, I'm sorry I've been trying to do it my way. God, I'm sorry, I've, I've, I've been really fighting a lot to be right right now. And although I want the world, I want my friends to know you and to understand your ways, Lord, may I, may I trust you in this world right now. God, I'm sorry, I'm not, I haven't humbled myself and surrendered to you. So perhaps you just need to say, and I'm going I'm to give you space right now. We're, we're creating right now room for God to move in your life. I want you to think about what's the thing you need to let go of so you can pick up the cross. And that may be the thing that's been weighing you down. That may be the thing that's been stressing you out. That may be the thing that you've been fighting and trying to win. And when you have that, I want you to pray. And I want you to say, God, I want to give this to you. I want to surrender it to you. I want to quit trying, and I want to surrender. And you might even pray it this way. You might say, God, I surrender, and then say whatever that thing is. Just fill in the blank. God, I surrender. Whatever that is, I surrender it to you. You can pray that right now in your seat. We just want to see God move in your life. This isn't about anything other than being real right now, real with the Father. It's just you and Him. It's just you and Him. Lord, I want to surrender this to you.
to quit trying to do it on my own. I'm going to quit trying to win. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.